1: Call any time one three hundred seven three six seven three six 736 736 or text 0433 98 This is the Sporting Capital with Brett Phillips.
2: Oh, thank you, Ed. Uh, doing a
1: magnificent job, Ed, and I go a long
2: way back in this uh, radio caper, and I'm honoured to have you introduce me, Ed. Look, I am sticking around for an extra hour every uh, Monday night uh, past uh, the first serve, and we're going to bring you some chats uh, this hour. If you haven't quite caught up on everything that's been happening in the world of sport, you've been away from the radio today and just want to hear some of our featured chats, we're going to do that this hour. Uh, certainly the open line is there, 1300 736 736. Thanks to Hardcourts for all things uh, real estate. You can uh, speak uh, to Hardcourts. You're welcome to uh, certainly send through a text on the 40 Winks uh, temper text machine tonight. Consumer's uh, Choice winner. Uh, The temper mattresses, pillows and adjustable bases conforms to the exact shape of your body. So send through your texts, your uh, calls as well throughout the hour. But we're also going to bring you, as I mentioned, some of the really good chats. And uh, Collingwood today, as I mentioned during the Macca's run at 7.30 tonight, officially announcing Craig Kelly as the club's new chief executive officer, uh, played 122 games for the Pies between 1989 and 1996, including, of course, that drought-breaking 1990 premiership. Uh, Following his retirement, Kelly made a name for himself as one of the founders and uh, was the long-time boss of talent agency TLA, which manages more than 300 AFL players and a raft of coaches. And he was on with Dwayne's World earlier this afternoon. The new Collingwood CEO, Craig Kelly.
0: And Collingwood fans, you can jump on the line. We'll come to you very, very shortly because you've got a new man at the helm, the CEO Craig Kelly, who has been looking at maybe rejoining Collingwood for a while. The 1990 Premiership hero is back and he's joined Jeff Brown at the top of the tree at the Magpies. And he joins me on the line for a chat. Welcome to you, Ned. Great to have you on. Hello, Dwayne. Good to you. Thank you for letting me be on your
3: show, my friend. (laughs) Wow,
0: It's great (laughs) to have you on. You're a hard man to get. Uh, This is a pretty big moment for... I mean, Collingwood's in this transition phase. So, I suppose, why have you decided to go from a very successful management company in TLA as ESP has been for 26 years and come back to Clubland.
3: Well, you sacked me. You told me you didn't want me there anymore. So that <laughs> No, you
0: and well. Sal are doing a great job. I love what you guys have done for me. Yes, I've got a conflict of interest. Who's going to manage me now then? Let me ask a personal oh, question.
3: Well, this is the first one, first uh, radio interview. I'm just going to do Nadine at the club and we discussed doing some radio. We we are going to sit down with some newspapers down the track once I've got my head around this and sat, on, <laughs> sat at the desk for a little while, but having a bit of light-hearted Radio chat today would be uh, a nice way to sort of announce things. Um, so <laughs> doing the first one with someone we manage, it we'll, was we'll straight away, here we <laughs> start saying there's a conflict. Well, um, not to be. Uh, at the end of the day, Dwayne, you know that uh, the TLA business has uh, got sold uh, a number of years ago, three or four years ago, and I've been the CEO there. And I'm stepping down from all those uh, those roles within that business. Um Tom Batoro and the guys there in the AFL business have been running a great shop there for a long while, and I can't remember ever last three or four years attending an AFL meeting, looking at and or certainly managing AFL players, uh, current players, looked after a few coaches, and obviously my main business was looking after 120 staff and managing some of you lunatic um, media clients, which have <laughs> been a lot of fun. But mate, it's been a great journey. I've, I've fortunate to come playing footy with you, against you um, over the years and then being able to have a business like we've had um, in in an industry that has grown amazingly in the last 27 years and with partners like Rob Woodhouse, ex-Olympic swimmer and Scotty and Susan Harper and Tony Box, who's taking over our joint. um, It's just a great uh, opportunity to come back to the club and uh, when Jeff rang me and was a bit daunted by the thing, uh, the opportunity, I also... I've got a son there that we had, you know, sit down with him and another son at and So, and plus uh, Max, my middle one's at home, has a fair bit to say about all these things. <laughs> and my wife, so um, oh, it's, it's I'm fortunate, mate, in life to have done what I've done, and hopefully I can. I know I will do a good job. I know that uh, I know I know what to do. I've thrown enough hand grenades at CEOs of clubs for the last number of years and said they're doing an average job, so I better step up to the plate and deliver. So that's that's reality of the industry we're in. It's pretty cutthroat and It'll be what it is, and uh, hopefully we do it in a way that's respectful, and uh, we get the result uh, for our supporters. That's what
0: counts. You've done such a brilliant job with the management company, Craig. You could sail on your yacht to Mallorca and not ever go back to Clubland. So <laughs> you, you, you 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 do have it in your blood. Is that what it is? You just love Collingwood so much that you want to go back and help out and do do what you can to, to get this next Collingwood Football Club phase going.
3: No, it's a good question. Um, And it's something I had to take a bit of time off and have had long service leave owed to me. So I did get a a nice break over the last couple of months. And my footy clubs, and it's really hard to explain. If people haven't been in a club, um, in any sporting club, but especially the intense AFL industry, you're actually doing something. It's actually more of a a team and a group thing, been a business, like, in business, you run a business and you look at the monthly numbers and the end-of-year numbers and you look at the salary and you pay wages to people and their families. But a footy club's got that but a lot more. Like, you mean – so the amount of taxes that I've just got last hours is ridiculous. I've just I've never – got so many texts and messages and nice messages and I'll probably have a, I don't read social media so I'll probably get a fair few um, bad ones as well but I'll stay away from that um, at the end of the day mate you, you're actually doing something that a for, for people out there who just love their club for a whole it's a, it's a family it's a it's a tribe it's something they do and mean so much and you, you, you're basically passing through that joint so you've got to leave it better do a better job and I, I think that's the thing that uh, excites me about going back, and I, th- I, th- I think hopefully this will finish my work career. Um, and I want to, you know, fifty-seven, and you know, hopefully I've got a few years to do this. And and, and I'm not going to sit there saying we're going to win flags and stuff. We're just going to do a good job, and and hopefully the supporters are proud of what the club delivers to them and the fun they have turning up to the footy and screaming, yelling, and feeling like it's their club. That's what's really important and exciting.
0: Seeing a lot of CEOs who know business and football these days, Craig. So is it a unique environment to the point that having that football background does help? You almost do need it?
3: Oh, yeah, I've been quite open and said this to the AFL and other clubs and stuff. I think the, the industry's been quite negligent in not... Well, brought a better level of coach through, um, ex-players becoming coaches they're a lot more developed than they were 10 years ago. Um, they do a lot more to get more rounded, um, and and they have a lot more support around them. The footy department's a big department. I don't think we've done the same with the CEO, part of the business, and I've often spoken to uh, Travis and Gil and the guys at the AFL about it. How do we... Steve Hocking, and I bounce, I, you know, I regard Steve unbelievably highly in what he's been able to do both um, as a player now in his role and also at the AFL, and um, I think being able to have the experience of business but then having to change that into a club way, um, that I believe is a strength that I've got. I think it's something that we uh, need to do more of. So, you know, for example, I've always said, I don't see why Chris Scott um, or Brad Scott, um, you know, why they can't be CEOs of football club down the, down the track, why um, people who have played football, have done the education, the training and the development and worked hard, shouldn't have that opportunity. The more we do it, the better understanding they have of how the joints run. Because they, you can say to anyone out there, unless you've actually been in one, they are very unique. And with the pressures of media and the scrutiny, um, I'm not, I certainly don't have that in my business. And, and I've got to adapt myself and change the way I've done things because it's just got to be done differently when you're in the club land.
0: Does it mean that you will get involved in the football department a little more than some CEOs will? <laughs>
3: I reckon right here will right be the first time I say, go back to your box, Ned. I've got this sorted out. Uh, so, uh, and listen, I think good run joints and the line joints, and, you know, there's there's a benchmark there that at the moment that Geelong uh, have done this exceptionally well the last 12 months, um, getting everything aligned to do with uh, there, There's a, I personally believe that unless you get it all aligned, unless you look at it and you have everyone playing their position like you have in a footy club, Uh, when you have a successful team. The footy gods don't give you the the, the end goal that you you, you all want. And I think, you know, Sydney Swan, I reckon Geelong, uh, Richmond, they're they're benchmarks. And we've we've got to want to get to that level across our whole business, not just the footy department.
0: You've just come out of a business that's trying to get your players 10-year deals. You're now CEO that has to sign up players. Where are you on long-term contracts, Craig?
3: One year deal, year by year. <laughs> <laughs> Tommy Tommy's already started rolling his eyes, so yeah. I I think I've got a few things I've said over the journey that'll come back and bite me in the backside,
4: so but that's okay.
0: <laughs> so where are you at with the the environment we're in now with players are they able to leave more readily than they ever have been? Is it is it how far in favour of the players should it be? Should it be more in the club's favour? Because it is a, a tricky one. You've been walking both sides of it. Well, you're about to walk both sides of that.
3: No, I, mate. I'm really. I've said this to you, and quite openly. I think the where we currently sit at the moment, it's become um, a lot more fluid because of um, restricted and free agency um, parts of the, the of your tenure. That allows those conversations to happen earlier than when they probably would, even if they're in contract. Um, being able to have those conversations in a respectful, well managed way that is communicated well to the members so there's an understanding of why we have to do certain things um, is, is really important. Um, and I think we've got an, we're not, uh, an, we should never compare ourselves or want to be like the American sport um, in certain areas. Or NRL in regard to having players jump and move around middle of the season, or, or decide that. I think um, we're currently in a good spot where list managers and clubs are, and the players are a lot more mature in those chats, and, and I think it's moving, moving quite freely without being too free. Um, the players' associations, marching. the guys will probably want to do tweaks and things there. We should also we're always should be open to that. But I'm just a great believer that if a player's happy the list is going well, the club's going well, um, and they want to be in the town they're living or they might want to live somewhere else, we should be open to having a conversation. But it's got to be respectful both ways, and you've got to be open and um, you've got to have managers that will follow through and clubs and list managers, both the player manager and the list manager, to be honest. And actually, if they're going to say they're going to do something, do it and stay true to it and not just sort of play games and, um, and lie to people.
0: What about first-year players out of the that have just been drafted, Craig? There's a two-year minimum you stay at the club now. How long do you think you should be locked into a club if you if you're young?
3: Oh, well, the reality is um, clubs will will do you know do the two years because um, that's what happens. But then, if they're comfortable with the play and they like what they see, and they sort of they'll extend that straight away with the manager. Um, yeah, you know, we've seen. Yeah, you know, our club with the young Ollie Henry going back to Geelong, um, you know, that's that's obviously, you know, he's drawn back to there. Um, there was conversations taking place. So I think that at the end of the day, um, if a player, a, a young player isn't getting the opportunities or he doesn't want to be there, again, um, you might as well try and uh, get an outcome that's beneficial to the club uh, and get into it rather than trying to, uh, just hang on to the kids. So oh, I don't think we need to extend. Two years is fine, and if they're any good, they get extended. If they're not, you move, you know, they move, and the club has that conversation.
0: So let me ask you also the question that's getting asked by social media because you don't read it. Um, what are going What happens to the players you manage? Uh, what happens there no, because well, your company's managed for a long time?
3: Social media needs to understand this. Social media, I do not manage players, <laughs> and there's no conflict. Um, I manage a couple of coaches. I have resigned from a place. I now work for the Collingwood Football Club. My job, and I'm paid for to work for the Collingwood Footy Club. I'll be doing everything I can to make that club successful, aligned, and a juggernaut in the in the industry. That's what we want to be.
0: You've been out of club land for 26 years. You're about to come back with a great wealth of knowledge. What does the AFL, what do clubs need to do in 2023 that they may have not been doing, Craig?
3: Make money. Be profitable. Mm. And deliver to the members. At the end of the day, there's no point running a business if you're not actually running it successfully and and not draining the competition. I mean, ultimately, every club in the competition should be um, delivering to the competition and 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 not sucking from it. So, to me, um, you know, the big clubs have provided a lot to that's shared between a lot of other clubs. Um, we, we all should want to be run successful businesses and they have to be profitable, but also you have to play a style of footy and be entertaining. We're in the entertainment business, guys, and at the end of the day, we want to have a full stadium, uh, full memberships, and that makes us profitable, but it also delivers to the fan what they want. At the end of the day, the fans are our owners. It's uh, We're not like the States where we're privately owned.
0: So more emphasis on those clubs that are not making a profit at the moment or are struggling to be more self-sufficient because your president, Jeff Brown, is one of those that believes that Collingwood should be in a position to be able to spend more of its money on itself that it earns.
3: Yeah, I think... We're, we're, I agree with Jeff to a certain degree there. At the end of the day, um, you know, we're in, a, we're in a very strange world where we have control, the AFL control a lot of stuff that they need to to allow the competition. We're the most most even competition in the world with the greatest athletes and just amazing athletes. So um, there's a lot of restraints around and, and sometimes that doesn't allow people who can to grow things and do things differently and expand and um, and and that's what we should be always... Have doing. Any business that can't do that um, eventually dies. So all I'm saying is that... Um, Every club should want to deliver and support the competition. And to do that, we should be um, have our noses in front on the ledger every year and be making money. And then some guys will make more. And we should be um, pushing the boundaries on what we can do as hard as we can, but also making sure ultimately that people, the whole comp's going well. It's it's a hard job for the AFL, it's a hard job for the clubs. Um, but, you know, I think with the last few years, we've had a step back because of COVID. We're resetting ourselves, Um, and uh, to to be perfectly honest, I think the next 10 years in the AFL is going to be good. There's there's some really good things happening, and uh, there's good people coming in to to run good businesses.
0: Do you think the growth of the game is going to be a growth in the length of the season or the the growth in the expansion of the competition? Tassie's obviously on the agenda now, but expansion has been a bit of a drain on the AFL, but you think it's about to, to pay up. Where's the growth going to come
3: I, I, you're getting into a world now where I haven't got and haven't been privy to a lot of the information yeah. other than what's written. So that stuff, I, 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 I'm not going to comment on uh, what decisions they're making when I'm not privy to all the documentation and the information that a lot of people don't get to see and um, they hear and read things that may sometimes not be right. So I won't. I won't go down that path yet until I've got more information. And hopefully, uh, we're calling with a part of that uh, growth strategy. I know we will be, and we'll want to help
0: do that great to have you craig um i thank you for what you've done for me so personally <laughs> thanks for coming on my show i know you got a thousand interview requests and you decided with even without even putting your feet under the desk you'd have a chat to me so uh thanks for a whole heap of questions without notice
3: no, pleasure, Dwayne. Thanks, buddy. And um, just be nice to us and make sure give me a bit of time to get my head right.
0: Okay. I'm always nice to you, and you've got a ripper in the dean looking after you. Meet. Oh, are you going to be a vocal CEO? Craig, we're going to see you in the media every week uh, giving us a are statement
3: and a quote. No, I'll be like the Steve Hawking mate. You won't hear me much. Once I've done this bit, I'm uh, quietly under the radar. Right, can do all those chats and fly.
0: <laughs> good try. We'll see how, whether you succeeded. There was another famous Collingwood president who said the same thing. I'm not going to talk much. Um, <laughs> it doesn't end up happening. <laughs> no. So we'll how see we how go. we go. Thanks, great, have a good one. Great to have you. Craig Kelly joining us, the new CEO of Collingwood.
2: Indeed, he is the new boss. Uh, feet uh, briefly under the desk. Uh, what do you make of it, Collingwood fans? Uh, let us know one three hundred seven three six seven three six on the Hardcourts uh, open line for all things uh, real estate. Uh, speak to hardcourt. So, as Dwayne mentioned, twenty six years away from the coalface of actually running a, a footy club, it brings uh, incredible intel, uh, business acumen, uh, a very successful, if not arguably the most successful uh, player manager in a very, very competitive space. So we're going to continue the footy theme. After the break, we're going to hear from a very impressive young man in Noah Anderson who, along with his Gold Coast teammates, are trying to achieve something the club has never achieved before, and that's finals footy. That's coming up next on the
1: Sporting Capital. Call any time. one 736 736 or text 0433 98 1116. This is the Sporting Capital with Brett
2: Phillips. On a Monday night, uh, thank you, Grant, uh, off, the, uh, off the text, uh, the 40 Winks uh, temper text, uh, Brett, evening. It's a flashback from the summer of years ago. It's like going full circle uh, when you've been here a long time. You're uh, you transferring to different uh, slots. But, yeah, that's uh, what I'll be doing on a Monday night in and around uh, the first serve, of the extension. I'll be sort of top and tailing it with uh, the Macca's run, and the sporting capital. So uh, good to have you on board. Oh four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. Bringing you a few chats uh, this hour. Craig Kelly, you've just heard from the new Collingwood CEO. Let's hear from the impressive young gold coaster in uh, Noan Anderson, who who could have signed on maybe for two years, decided no, I'm going to sign longer. Obviously, uh, management didn't have an issue with that. He is a long-term uh, prospect who they're hoping will become a player for life, hoping to keep all their players now to try and build the Gold Coast into something formidable, which we haven't seen in in the time they've existed in the AFL. But Noah Anderson had a chat with Sam Hargraves and Simon O'Donnell on SEM Breakfast this morning.
5: We'll get back to that in a minute because speaking of a young man, um, who is good enough to not only uh, have a chat to us, but to get up at six am his time to do so? Uh, newly signed um, till the end of twenty twenty five now five or eight uh, k. Probably known. has oh, uh, that's the discipline he brings to the okay. table. And one of the 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 main reasons why the Gold Coast Suns are a rising force uh, in the AFL at the moment. Uh, a highly sought after signature, which they've been able to keep, is Noah Anderson. He's been good enough to jump on the line. Noah, hello to you.
4: Hello guys, how are you going? Thanks for having me on.
5: Well, we're rapt to have you on. Congratulations on the the new contract. Was there ever any doubt for you that you wanted to extend your time uh, on the Gold Coast?
4: Um, no, no, no doubt. Really, um, it was a pretty easy decision. I, I've always loved it up here, and have never had any doubts about about going back home. So, um, when the time rolled around, it was pretty straightforward.
6: How hard to settle up there? No, you had such a decorated you know footy career down here, or schoolboy footy career. Underage footy career at at Kerry mm. and representing Victoria, etc. How difficult, you know, after the the draft and then heading to Queensland. At what stage do you think you hit? No, like this place, this is for me.
4: Um, I think it's, it was a little bit strange um, for me and Rowley included because um, as soon as we came up, COVID hit and we were kind of forced to stay um, in Queensland for our breaks and our holidays. So in a way, we were almost forced to live here. Um, And then that was kind of the time where I realised how much I loved it up here and didn't want to go um, back as much on holidays and little five-day breaks. So um, we talk about it uh, pretty funny, but almost um, that COVID really made us love it up here and learn to live up here full-time. So, yeah.
6: But the season we had uh, your coach on a little earlier in the year and uh, and he, he loved you know, the commitment he was getting from that younger brigade and you've just spoken about it now and shown it uh, by signing a, a long-term deal. For all you younger guys that are going to be the future of the footy club... It, it seems to mean a lot to you. It would be very important to you that you, you, you form a base that's going to springboard Gold Coast into something special.
4: Yeah, that's right. Um, we've got a lot of internal confidence that the group we have here um, is the group that's going to bring this club success and the most important part is keeping it together. So we've already built really good relationships with each other. Um We all really like spending time each other off-field and we feel like on-field. We've got the team and the personality and the individuals to do it. It's just obviously still a lot of hard work to get there, but um, it's exciting.
5: So where where does the improvement come from this year, Noah? You've spoken about the, the commitment that you guys have got. Um, you and Rowley till 2025. Jack Lacocious is there till 2026. Ben King coming back from that knee is signed till the end of 2024. So those pieces seem to be locked in or are being locked in as we speak. Where does the improvement then come from as a group?
4: Oh, everywhere, really. I think just the way um, we play together is always going to continually improve. Um I mean, I could start highlighting little individual things like our Team D needs to be better on slow play and our forward entries need to be better, but um, they're all the kind of things we're working on in the pre-season. But um, it's good that, like you said before, those individuals have all decided to, to stay around and we're really confident um, that we're going to keep improving.
5: Um, talk to me about the influence that Took Miller has up there. Obviously, we know he's one of the elite preparers, one of the elite runners and elite players in the competition. And what we know too is that one of the elite people and I've got a feeling that he's going to be when it's all said and done, maybe one of the most significant figures in the Gold Coast, because when he got there early, he said, I'm here and I'm going to, I want us to stand for something. I don't want us just to be a place where you can find a bigger contract somewhere else. We're here. I believe in what we're doing and he has really set the tone and the standards and also helped create the culture from the outside looking in. Tell us from the inside looking in how significant a figure he is at that footy club.
4: Um, yeah, he said it pretty well. He's, he's so important internally for our footy club. Um, as a young player walking in, you kind of look um, at what the best players are doing and all you had, it was pretty easy to follow what he was doing and, and realise that if you followed what he was doing, then you're going to become a pretty good player. So um, he's so impressive with the way he keeps looking on ways to improve his game. Um, he's so passionate about the football club and he's so willing to share his knowledge with our mostly young playing group. So um, he's such an important figure in our club and I really love working
6: with him. No, you've had your you know, three years up in the Gold Coast now. Mm-hmm. With what you know and what you've experienced in AFL footy, when's the best period you think is for, for you as a, a dominant player within that team. We've seen you improve year on year, which has been absolutely mm. fantastic. Where do you reckon that peak is for Noah Anderson? Um, good question.
4: Um, I hope... Um, I try and not use my age as an excuse to, to wait on things. So I hope next year. Um, I'm just really excited to... Continue to improve my game and I'm I'm working really hard on that and I'm working with, um, like you said, um, Took and Dave Swallow and our midfield coach, Stephen King. And um, I feel like that I can take another step forward in my individual game next year and hopefully that pushes the team forward.
5: When it comes to a place like the Gold Coast, Noah, um, there's a lot of conversations around minimum contracts and what the length should be for draftees you've got to live an experience that's a bit different and it's often with the Gold Coast Suns and the Giants in mind that we have these conversations. How long do you think it, that the minimum draft contract should be? Would you like to see it extended or do you think it's fine how it is? Obviously, it hasn't affected you because you've committed, but did you have a view yeah. on that as that conversation was happening?
4: Um, not really. I, I didn't really put too much thought into it. I've My decisions have always been... Really easy, personally, obviously, signed a two-year extension pretty much straight away and then this one. So, for me, it's been perfect, but maybe for other individuals, um, a longer contract straight away might be beneficial for the club because it, now they know that they're here for longer, so they have to settle in. Um, I think it's always going to be different. Um, I think if you extend it to four, then you'll have the debate about should it be back to two. So... Um, it doesn't really faze me.
6: No, the summer it seems to be going along swimmingly. We're 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 hearing good news. Uh, I, I think Ben King's about ready to to um, lace the boots back on. Uh, there's that real feel of of optimism amongst your group.
4: Yeah, definitely. Um, like you said, this time of year um, we're fit and we're firing. So we're at the end of a pretty big training block at the moment. Um, the whole group just got up to the Sunshine Coast, so we've got a few training sessions up here. So um, the boys are really enjoying each other's company and um, really feeling optimistic about how the year started.
6: I think we take for granted sometimes, you know, when you just say there, you know, a a training block. You you just say, you know, pre-season's hard um, and the the boys are going to go through it. When, When you say a training block, when preseason starts do you, do you you know its that's just a constant build and then when do you start trailing off and doing more ball ball skills than you do running?
4: Um, well um, this year we've as a club um, our high performance um, manager Alex Rigby talks about it but um, probably three or four years ago we were um, the club was just running the boys because um, they weren't fit enough. So every year, progressively, they've taken out less running and more ball skills, which probably is starting to show on the field a little bit. Um, So the players came back in really good nick this year. So we haven't had to do that much running at all. So it's been good, which has been uh, beneficial, obviously, um, to the way we play and hopefully it shows on the field.
5: How um, what? How did you? How do you? How are you feeling this year as a group? No, we're speaking to Noah Anderson, uh, extended till twenty twenty five with the Gold Coast Suns, picked two in the twenty nineteen draft. All across most of last year until uh, Dewey had his contract extended, the the spectre of Alistair Clarkson loomed over. How keenly was that felt internally as a playing group? Did, did did it feel like you were responsible for whether he got, and I know it's, this is not how it works, but do you guys start to feel like with all that speculation that, gee, it's on us. If we don't win, then Dewey's on the way out and maybe Alistair Clarkson's here. Did that stuff creep into your thinking at all with what was happening for your coach or does it get pushed out to the side and barely mentioned?
4: Um, It it wasn't really mentioned. Um, I think there's a the general understanding that, um, you need results in in football, so we knew that um, probably early on in the year that some of the ro- results weren 't heading our way so um, and you know that um, I think there was just a feeling of um, we know what we 're trying to implement is going to work and is working, but the results aren't coming, so we just had to keep sticking to the process and trusting that the way we were playing was going to get us results and ended up having a um a good year in, in terms of the club's history.
5: Well, no, we uh, hope it's a really successful year in the club's history and hopefully uh, for, for Gold Coast, the club and and the supporter base as well. And and for you personally, this is the year that finals are, are reached. Good luck with it all. We can't wait to see it progress through the season. Congratulations on your new contract. Well done to you for committing to the Gold Coast Suns. I think it speaks volumes as to who you are as a person as well. Um, so we wish you all the best with it. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me on.
2: Uh, He's an impressive young man, Noah Anderson, and uh, hopefully the Gold Coast can uh, take uh, the next step. They've been sort of knocking on the door. They've been getting better, this young group uh, coming through uh, together, and uh, he is a a genuine young leader of that uh, football club. Uh, We'll take a break. On the other side, I'm going to give you all the winners from tonight's Australian Cricket Awards. You can give us a call. Hardcourt's open line for all things real estate. Speak to Hardcourt's 1300 736 736 on the
1: Sporting Capital. Call any time, one 736 736 or text 0433 98 1116. This is The Sporting Capital with Brett Phillips.
2: Uh, thank you, Edward, sounding very sharp on the uh, VO. Uh, Mick in Fitzroy, I feel like I haven't spoken to Mick for uh, maybe the days that I was doing overnights at SEN. Mick, uh, great to chat. There you go, mate. Very well, thank you all.
7: Yeah, I wanna pay respects to a great man. Yes. John Devine.
2: The floor's yours, uh, Mick. What would you like to say?
7: Well he 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 come from a dairy farm in Cow Lake to play for Geelong. He was vice captain Geelong, he played for Victoria, he came over to Tasmania. Hey Captain coach, of North Avart. Yep. Uh, he was robbed out for the first six games of the year, and he got an all-favour up to win the uh, win the grand final. Could mm. have won the state final, but they pinched the goalposts on him, and and he pulled all blokes like me, street urchins, out. You know the the gangs. He was a great man, Father Divine. I got he, his his nickname was Colac, but we called him Father Divine. He captain coached uh, Tasmania, and I've never seen nothing. I got a phone call from Tasmania today to say he's died, and I've never seen anything. In in the Melbourne paper to acknowledge him, he coached Geelong. He did.
2: That's. I was going to. I was going re, to recall that Mick in a moment, but I'll let you go. Go on.
7: And 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 the thing is, he he's the one that brought Billy Brownless on, because mm. he told Mark Jackson, there, "There's the road out of Geelong. Keep going," and brought Billy Brownless on. He was a great man. Every Sunday he used to walk down the aisle at the Catholic Church in Hobart with his whole family because he was a great Catholic man uh, and I think he deserves a bit of recognition for old Father to mine. he used to he used to have the ride Street grandstand at north Hobart rocking yeah <laughs> he changed Legend. he changed. He changed North Ala from the Robins mm. to the demons. Yep. He said and and uh, he I I I know his son, one of his sons, I know him all Donna but but Donna um I know I know all the kids over the years mm. but I just I just can't understand he played for Victoria, he was vice captain of Geelong. If if he hadn't had a blue with Geelong in sixty seven yep. I think I think the Vine um and he come to North over, which we were lucky. But I think if he'd have played in sixty seven against Richmond, Geelong would've won the grand final.
2: Hey Mick, this is a great reflection. If you haven't caught up on the news, of course, uh, John Devine uh, passing away at the age of uh, eighty-two. Mick, I'm going to test your memory, and look, and I, I didn't know him as a footballer from a different generation, and but his Tasmanian roots um, are, are well known. But do you remember Mickey's first game as coach of Geelong?
7: Yeah, I remember that. Don't worry.
2: Well, I, I was there. I was there that day. Because my uh, mighty Fitzroy played Geelong at Cadinia Park. I reckon it was thirty-three degrees that day. I couldn't get a, a cold can of anything in the ground. And Fitzroy actually beat Geelong, but that memory of John Devine sitting the players down at three-quarter time. He had a, he sort of had. A, I think he had a pink shirt on, or a pink sort of mauve shirt on, and he was reading the Ride Act to the Geelong players. It was, it was like it was like Teddy Whitten giving an inspiring speech and. All the players were sitting on the ground. He's, you know, just the whole fire and brimstone uh, message. I think he lasted, well, he had three years, didn't he, as coach at Geelong? But I remember vividly that first game. And you talked about Mark Jackson playing, uh, Gary Ablett played in that game, and and a few others. But, um, yeah, what an absolute uh, legend of football in Tasmania. And, obviously, his history with uh, Geelong. Mick, I really appreciate you going down memory lane. It's a great tribute.
7: you go. Yep. There was a bloke who played for the long called Stewie Palferman. Yes. Stewie Palferman. He was a raider. Right. Anyway, I happened to be in the Tasmanian change rooms. I happened to be in the change rooms. Yeah, I think and, you're in demand, and, Nick. Get going. Anyway, Devine, Devine kept Stewie... On the ground. Yes. Yep. Off the ground. Yep. that this is before interchange, not even twentieth man. Yep. Right. There you go. Palf- Stewie Palferman hadn't even got on the ground.
2: hmm
7: Anyway, there was another bloke called Ringo Main, Terry Main, passed away in about nineteen nineteen eighty. Terry Main, Ringo Main. There you go. Some great names.
2: Mick, uh, I reckon we could do a tribute for about uh, three or four hours, but I really, really appreciate your call and great tribute. And I'll never forget John Devine, that uh, that big fire and brimstone speech at three-quarter time when the Cats were struggling. Uh, round one of uh, 1986. We were happy. We actually stopped at the Norlane Lane Hotel on the way home just to find a cool drink, but wrapped uh, at Fitzroy, actually knocked off the Cats that day. But, yeah, John Devine, uh, It's a name... Um, they're yeah, synonymous with football. Let's get a break. I'm going to come back and wrap up with all the
1: Ellen Border uh, award winners from tonight. Call any time. 1-300-736-736 or text 0433 98 1116. This is The Sporting Capital with Brett Phillips. Australian Cricket Awards uh, tonight, Steve
2: Smith has joined uh, Ricky Podding and Michael Clarke as a uh, four-time winner of the Ellen Border Medal while Beth Mooney has claimed her second Belinda Clark Award at the 2023 Australian Cricket Awards. The top prizes were a repeat of the 2021 awards when Smith and Mooney took out the top prizes. The ceremony, of course, was held in Sydney tonight at uh, Randwick Racecourse. So the first time, actually, that Australia's elite male and female cricketers have actually gathered together for the awards in uh, three years with uh, the pandemic, after uh, two years of uh, low virtual, uh, low-key virtual presentations. Uh, it was uh, everyone dressed up uh, tonight, the first time I think what 2020 at uh, the Crown Casino, the last time the awards were held here in Melbourne. So the top awards for each format were decided by votes from players, umpires, and media representatives on a three, two, and one uh, basis from each match uh, throughout the year. The women's and men's domestic players of the year and the Rising Star awards. Uh, voted on uh, by the players. So Steve Smith uh, takes out the Ellen Border Medal, uh, the highest individual honour for an Australian male cricketer. 171 votes he polled uh, to be a runaway winner for his uh, fourth Ellen Border Medal, uh, finishing well ahead of Travis Head on 144 votes. Uh, David Warner on 141, Amarna Slabashane and Usman Khawaja making up the uh, top five. So Smith uh, also won the award 2015-2018, And also 2021 to join Ricky Ponting and Michael Clarke as the only four-time winners of the award. And nobody has won five uh, AB medals since the award was inaugurated uh, back in the year 2000. So Australia's men uh, played 10 tests last year, 17 one-day internationals, 20 uh, T20 internationals in uh, that voting period, taking in tours of Pakistan and Sri Lanka mid-year, of course, ahead of a, a hectic summer that saw a separated one-day series, a T20 World Cup on home soil, and tests against uh, the West Indies and South Africa. And you just think of uh, Smith's numbers here. Test centuries against Sri Lanka, that 145 not out in Gaul, uh, the West Indies, that 200 not out in Perth, and South Africa, uh, the 104 that he knocked up in Sydney during a, a voting period in which he matched at 1,000... 524 runs across the formats. Uh, Beth Mooney takes home the Belinda Clark Award tonight, Uh, having already put the uh, Women's uh, One Day Cricketer of the Year Award under her belt. uh, She's uh, certainly underlined her standing with a uh, second Belinda Clark Award. Uh, First claimed the prize back in 2021, uh, polled 129 votes to outpace uh, Captain Meg Lanning on 110 votes and uh, all-rounder Talia McGrath on 95 votes. So uh, Beth Mooney... Uh, taking home the Belinda Clark Award tonight. Uh, the Shane Warne Men's Test Player of the Year went to Usman Khawaja, capping uh, his second coming as a test opener by claiming the inaugural Shane Warne Award, uh, of course, named in honour of the legendary Leg Spinner. He polled uh, 22 votes to win ahead of Marnus Labuschagne on 20 and Steve Smith on 16. The other awards uh, tonight, uh, Usman Khawaja also taking home the uh, Community Impact Award Uh, The KFC Big Bash um, player of the tournament uh, went to Matt Short from the Adelaide Strikers, uh, capping a sensational uh, back-to-back Big Bash season with the Adelaide Strikers since uh, he shifted the top of the batting order, Uh, 25 years of age. uh, Of course, top run scorer with 458 at a strike rate of 144.47 to win the award by three votes ahead of Perth Scorchers, keep wicketkeeper batsman uh, Josh Ingalls. Uh, the player of the tournament for the women's Big Bash was Ashley Gardner uh, from the uh, Sydney Sixers, uh, capping off her best all-round Big Bash season uh, to take out the award. Her performances with bat and ball, playing a key role in the uh, Sixers' dramatic resurgence uh, from Wooden Spoon to finalists, 339 runs in 13 innings at a strike rate of 153. The women's T20 Player of the Year was uh, Tally McGrath, uh, 31 votes ahead of Beth Mooney, 27. Ashley Gardner on 24. The men's T20 Player of the Year was Marcus Stoinis, who uh, won the award ahead of fastballer Josh Hazelwood, uh, who polled 24 votes. Uh, Matthew Wade and Glenn Maxwell were tied on uh, 21. So big year uh, for Marcus Stoinis, the T20 Player of the Year. The Women's One Day International Player of the Year, Beth Mooney. Very good night. The men's One Day International uh, Player of the Year went to uh, David Warner, and the Women's Domestic Player of the Year, Annabelle Sutherland. The Men's Domestic Player of the Year was uh, Michael Nisa. Uh, the Beth Wilson Young Cricketer, Courtney Sipple. The Bradman Young Cricketer was Lance Morris. So there you go. That is the Honour Roll for the 2023 Australian Cricket Awards. Uh, of course, Harcourts, uh, keep the uh, calls coming uh, right throughout the night all the way into Tuesday on the Hardcourts Open Line. For all things real estate, speak to Hardcourts and uh, keep your texts coming through for the guys uh, overnight on the uh, 40 Winks temper text machine. Let's do it again Uh, next Monday night. Have yourself a great week, and I'm looking forward to a big sleep.